Business in Vancouver podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. I'm Tyler Orton, and who's joining me today? Haley Wooden. Yeah, it's a new year. I figured I'd do a new, uh, a brand new (laughs) intro for us, Haley. Couldn't get rid of me. I know you tried. (laughs) 2018, I'm in it for the long haul. It is 2018, (laughs) and I would have to say this, it's actually starting off a pretty, pretty fun year. Uh, especially in business news, just a lot happening going on, which is not always the case here. But tell me a little bit, what's catching your eye when it comes to business news, Haley? Well, on the topic of sort of fun news, we, of course, have the world's largest electronics trade show underway in Las Vegas, officially kicking off today, Tuesday. That's CES 2018. How would you like a 146-inch TV to just coat your wall in? Okay, (laughs) Haley, I, I was tweeting about this yesterday. And I, one of the technologies that's on display there is kind of this 65-inch roll-up television. They, they are yeah. getting there with the technology. And it's impressive. I looked at the photos. There's guys bending it over their heads. Uh, you roll this up. You, you carry it with you. But what I'm bringing up here, though, is, is this an actual practical piece of technology that the average consumer needs? Well, my question is why? Yeah, like, it would be useful for moving, I guess. Yeah, yeah. If I'm moving, that'd be great. <laughs> but that's not normally when you look at a TV, you don't think, okay, how hard is this going to be to move? But but just like how often do you move your TV within your own home? I don't even have a TV. Okay, so but this I is moved... absolutely useless technology for you, right? <laughs> it's totally useless. I, I mean, yeah. I, I'm glad that this technology uh, exists. There's innovators out there, but I don't know if this is very practical. I just because. The average person doesn't really need to move their 65-inch TV that much. If you've got like a big, I don't know, presentation to make, I I can assume that this would, you know, make sense for that. But Mm -hmm. I I think this is, is this really more of an enterprise sort of technology that it's companies that maybe they're involved with some sort of, I don't know, uh, presentations a lot. This is going to be the technology for them? Maybe. I'm sort of picturing like someone rolling out a blueprint or a map across a table. Maybe it'll get to the point where you can do that and it's a... TV monitor or something, mm. or maybe even has like some 3D VR capacity and the whole blueprint comes to life. I don't know. I could maybe see that, but in terms of a consumer product, and this is the consumer electronic show. Yeah. Yeah. I do don't you, know. Do you think it really comes down to, okay, we can roll out, you know, figuratively and literally the 65 inch <laughs> version? I would say, you know, maybe tablets or something. If somebody wants to roll up a tablet, sure. I kind of cool. I kind of prefer. Not having a rolled up tablet, personally, even like newspapers, I don't like to roll them up. You know, like well, to- what happens if you like as with paper, if you roll it up too many times, does it just stay sort of curved? Yeah. Are you forgetting your bag over the weekend and it's, it's permanently very, rolled? Very, very possible. I there. don't know. Yeah. But one of the consumer facing things that we should mention, voice assistants, home assistants. We had our uh, BIV radio show tech panelist, Ali Poordad, saying he bit the bullet. He got a Google Home Mini okay. and said he's fully aware that Google's now listening to all the conversations his family has in the kitchen. Yeah. But he has said it's very, very useful and sees this technology being more consumer friendly and more widely adopted over the coming year, year or two. I know Kirk LaPointe, our, our colleague, he's chimed in on this before. He told me under no circumstances would he ever get this. <laughs> did, did he chime in uh, when Ali said that he uh, finally bought this? He wasn't in on the interview. Uh, okay. Otherwise, I'm sure he would have. And I'm, I have to say, I'm sort of in Kirk's boat on this. I'm a little wary and skeptical of these technologies. But to be fair, your phone's probably listening to you too. I, I I would hope not, you know, but uh, okay. Well, with regards to me, I, what, why don't we talk a little bit about 
businesses behaving badly to okay. a certain degree because there's some stories that just get me frustrated not for the players involved but just the the very fact that these stories exist here we're talking about tim hortons with the mm. whole fact that we have minimum wage going up in ontario which uh you know franchisees uh decided to actually cut down say benefits as well as breaks in order to recover costs you go back to the corporate headquarter headquarters and they're saying well yeah we're not going to let them raise prices so that's why franchisees are, are you know taking this out i guess on their their workers we also have the ontario government chiming in saying yeah they're being bullies you know the, of course ontario government's the one that decided to raise minimum wage to 15 dollars an hour which is what the bc government is looking at right now we do have the fair wage commission here this is why it's relevant to british columbia Everything going on here in the story, it frustrates me from yeah. kind of all the players involved. I think ultimately it, it's not great for the workers involved and it's maybe not great for the consumers overall. What do you make of what's going on here, Haley? I think it's terrible for the brand. Like throughout 2017 and part of 2016 as well, we've seen this struggle and it's really tense between Tim Hortons franchisees and the parent company, which is now owned by Restaurant Brands International. There have been many, many issues fighting over funds, marketing, who has to pay what. And now you see this with minimum wage. And when it comes to minimum wage too, this is a a topic that's being debated across the country because there are other provinces looking to raise minimum wages uh, throughout this year. And of course, BC potentially looking to a $15 minimum wage at some point, no deadline. I agree with you. It's frustrating. And I think it really paints Tim Hortons in a very bad light. Yeah. I, the other thing that's I'm making me kind of go like, huh, is this whole Loblaw gift card thing. $25. You know, sorry, we were involved with a 14 year long bread price fixing scheme. Mm-hmm. Here's a $25 gift card. I, I This one, I, I, I'm just wondering if we are forgetting the fact, of course, that this is a, a bread pr- price fixing scheme. Uh, scheme. Like th- this is yeah. something that went on not for like you know a couple months. This is for 14 years. I, I don't think, and McLean's actually crunched the numbers here. They said that if uh, $25 was proportional to average losses per customer, that means that Loblaw artificially inflated prices by 1%. Do you think that they'd go through that much trouble for a 1% increase? I Doubtful. Doubtful, yeah. yes. So that we do have, at this point, two $1 billion class action lawsuits being filed over this bread price-fixing scheme. I wonder if that's kind of the bigger story that's going on here, that we should be keeping more, paying more attention to what's going on versus, say, gift cards that Loblaw is dishing out at this point. Yeah, I think so, too. The interesting thing, the thing that really irks me, a, a number of lawyers have come out and said, and it's even listed on Loblaw's website, if you put in your information, register to get a gift card, if you participate in one of these class actions, they will deduct the $25 mm. you claimed in your gift card from whatever settlement wow. you get. Okay. So I'm not sure what to make of that. I'm well, not sure what to make of that. Look, they're, they're, they look to... You know, lose about $150 million on the gift cards alone. I think 6 million of them are expected to be distributed. And by lose, I mean, it's all relative because customers were paying more for 14 mm-hmm. years for bread, out of all things. Do you eat much bread? I'm not a bread eater. I, it, I'm not, no. Yeah. I, but so, I have purchased from time to time, and I can guarantee you I have over the last 14 years purchased 
a number of loaves of bread. Okay. I'm not the biggest bread eater, but I, I, I applied for the gift card. I'll you you and I, sure. You and I have not been nearly <laughs> as affected by, you know, uh, others, uh, but no. it, it is still one of those kind of frustrating stories that's uh, what we're finding here in business. But uh, I should say, stick around. We're going to talk about more business stories. But first, this podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. Manning Elliott has been providing expert accounting, assurance, business advisory, tax, and valuation services to businesses in the Lower Mainland and Fraser Valley since 1952. If you're serious about taking your business and brand to the next level, if you want an accounting firm that'll be there to help you every step of the way, give Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors a call at 604-714-3600 at 604-714-3600. I'll check them out on their website at manningelliot.ca. Haley, what else is catching your eye right now? Well, we, of course, had two key interest rate hikes from the Bank of Canada last year. RBC, other economists expecting two to three interest rate hikes this year. And the first of the year could come as early as next week. What do you think is going to happen? We've had a lot of really strong jobs data and other economic indicators. Are you with sort of the, the bulk of economists who are expecting a rate hike next week? I, I can only go to what the economists are saying. I, and I've written about, say, the jobs uh, numbers that came out last week that were uh, exceptionally strong, especially if you look at what's going on in BC. Only a, an additional 5,600 added in British Columbia last month. But if you look at the year overall, BC had an exceptional year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the far and away the lowest unemployment rate. Uh, the thing that is worth noting here, which maybe caused some people to uh, raise their eyebrows, though, is virtually, well, not virtually all, but a great amount of the job growth that we had in 2017 was through the real estate industry, whether you're involved as directly as a real estate agent or, say, if you're involved with insurance, mm-hmm. it's, uh, construction, et cetera, et cetera. So that's something to be concerned about with regards to the rate hike. The economists are saying it's pretty much all about guaranteed, especially after we had the business optimism or business outlook survey that was released this week as well, which shows businesses are ready to take on higher interest rates. Yeah, they are. It also shows businesses looking to increase sales over the next 12 months to hire, even though, as you mentioned, a lot of jobs created across Canada and unemployment in Canada now at a 40-year low, which is really impressive, and also looking to invest more. And it looks like business investment intentions are actually reaching near post-recession highs, so nearly the highest they've been since the 2008-2009 financial crisis. So yeah, it looks like all engines go for a rate hike next week. I will say this, we have been surprised before, so I'll throw that out there, but yeah. it really does seem like we will see a rate hike. Which, I mean, if you're counting on going down to the States, uh, I would not buy your US cash just yet. Uh, hold off at least, uh, what, another uh, eight, nine so. days, yep. and then uh, take a look at what the Canadian dollar is doing then. We might be getting that rate hike, which will send the loony up as well. Perfect. So uh, for me, an interesting uh, sort of story, a bit of an update that we're getting with regards to, I guess, BC's tech sector, is that this big supercluster project or initiative announced by Ottawa last year, they're putting $950 million up for grabs among up to five different supercluster bids across the country. Well, we have a bit of an update uh, from British Columbia, though. Uh, We have our own uh, bid. It's called the Canada's digital technology supercluster. I don't think they wanted to call it BCs. They they want mm. to sh- note that this is a uh, a supercluster that would have impacts across the entire country. Sure. But uh, since they were shortlisted, they have announced that additional people are coming on board. You know, the Terry Fox Research Institute, Shoppers Drug Mart, 
We also have Canfor Forestry Company, which is interesting in getting involved with the digital supercluster. Hmm. Uh, we also have D- GE Digital. The reason why this is important, though, is like BC is looking to create kind of a supercluster focused on digital technologies that could, you know, transform traditional industries like forestry, for example, uh, or transportation or manufacturing. And it also wants to like advance these innovations going on within the regular digital technology sector. So they want to promote a lot more collaborations. uh, And they estimate that the participants, there's around 200 at this point within this BC consortium, uh, they could invest as much as $1.4 billion in about... uh, I think 100 collaborations. Uh, yeah, I, I can confirm that 100 co- collaborations involving 1,000 organizations over a 10-year period, and they say that this will boost GDP nationally by about 15 billion dollars and add another 50,000 jobs for Canadians. So we're getting more updates. A lot of just zeros out there. A lot of zeros up uh, <laughs> out there, but we are getting updates uh, from this. Ottawa is expected to make an announcement in March, or at least before March. So. I, I think this is going to be big news, especially when it comes to BC's overall economy, because so much of it is kind of uh, hinging on how well the tech sector is doing, and, and they mm-hmm. really want to make that more kind of the economy of the future. I say that even though the current government, they're really looking at, say, uh, traditional industries like uh, resources, forestry, that's, that's where uh, the NDP is really pushing hard on, but I think they have to be a little bit more updated than you know traditional chopping down wood, for example. For sure. And I I think there's a unique opportunity here in BC to partner tech and cutting edge technology with traditional industries. We see it in mining too, in the collaborations between mining and tech. You said there's up to five super clusters that could get funding? Yeah, right now they've shortlisted nine. Okay. BC is within that shortlisted uh, group that's as of October. Uh, So up to five, it could be one. I, I'm doubtful it's only going to be one. Um, I, I'm i also doubtful it'll be up to five. I, I, mm. I'm thinking three or four is probably the magic number, especially when you want considerable amounts of funds to be spread around between the different uh, super clusters. Exactly. I'd find it hard to believe that BC gets overlooked on this one. Yeah. You know, and, and it's tough because the argument is like, should the government really be picking winners? But I mean, it is the government's right. program. They're the ones putting up um, almost a billion dollars and well, taxpayers money. Sure. So, uh, but but it is meant to spark the economy across Canada. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting because Quebec, for example, they're doing um, a, a bid based on, say, artificial intelligence. If we, there, there's also the prairies or Saskatchewan. Um, they're doing something based on more like agriculture. If you go to Atlantic Canada, ocean technology. So mm-hmm. there is kind of a, a regional kind of flair to all of these bids. And there are kind of cross-Canadian um, bids as well going on. So there, there's nine of them that have been shortlisted. I think BC's got a good chance. Uh, you know, I, I'm not necessarily going to put my money where my mouth is with yeah. regards to that. But <laughs> yeah, I am intrigued by the more... Uh, we're going to be getting more updates as we draw closer to this March deadline mm-hmm. that the federal government uh, set out. This is back in October. As far as I know, nothing's changed since then. But they essentially want it announced before the end of the fiscal uh, year for the government. Yeah. Fair enough. Very exciting for tech in Canada generally and potentially for BC. Yeah. Well, I want to thank everybody for listening to the Business in Vancouver podcast. And, uh, hey, if you can, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitchers, what have you. And Haley, if somebody wants to find you online, what's the best way to do that? Head on over to BIV.com. You can connect with both of us there, read more business news from us, from our colleagues, listen to past podcasts as well. And if you want to connect via social media, 
My handle is at Haley Wooden. What about you? Yeah, you can find me at Reporton. That's R-E-P-O-R-T-O-N. And this podcast was brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. Thank you for listening.